have any idea how much the enemy wants us to give up? There are people that have gone through their entire life giving this up and this up and this up and giving up on this and this and this and have never had victory over that pattern of giving up. We give in so easy. No, I can't do this. I just can't do it. I'll never become this. There's no way that I could really have the victory in my life over, over that desire to just quit. I read about a lady by the name of Molly Brown who booked a first-class cabin on the night of April 14, 1912, when the Titanic hit an iceberg. It was a last-minute deal for her as she purchased her ticket on what was considered to be the unsinkable ship. It was guaranteed that this ship could not sink. So she books her ticket to go see a niece of hers that was ill. And that night when the engine stopped, Molly thought clearly about what she needed to do. And so she put on six pair of socks, a wool suit, her fur coat, her hat and muff, and she took $500 out of her safe, put it in her pocket, and she put as a good luck charm in her pocket that she had gotten on a recent trip to Egypt. She went to the lifeboat area and helped many other women and children to get into the lifeboats when finally she herself was pushed into lifeboat number six by some men that were standing by. As the lifeboat pushed away from the Titanic, she felt it was her job to help all of those in that lifeboat believe that they would make it. And for six hours straight, her key role was this. Her key role was nothing other than telling everyone in the boat, we are going to make it. Despite the fact that they saw people jumping off of the ship and they knew people were screaming and drowning as they actually saw the ship split in half and dive to its death, where it lays at the bottom of the ocean till this day, she was convinced that there was more to go on there was more to life than just that. And so because of that spirit that she had, she was not able to save her own life alone, but she was able to help all of those in that lifeboat to go on. History tells us that she became a very strong political advocate here, and she was a, a war hero in World War I, and that she actually survived two more disasters on ships, but lived on in infamy to be remembered as somebody who actually helped others to live. You know how many people come in the room today? As the holidays approach, you've about given up on something. Well, that was the past. That was that. And I'm over that or I'm not over that. I think how many people look at life as constantly the cup being half empty rather than full and overflowing. My wife and I went, have had some situations in church work through the years that 
certainly should have driven us away and made us think we would never want to do ministry again. But I am a, a strong believer in this, that God does not want us to quit. I remember years ago, we, we were brokenhearted over some things that happened in ministry, and we went to the seminary here in town to meet with Dr. Greer. He, is, he passed away just this last year. He was the dean of the seminary that I attended. And as we walked into his office, we sat down at a round table, and as we were talking to him, he started weeping with us. He said something that I will never forget. He said, you have to decide whether you can go on or not. And the sooner you decide, the better off you will be. Those are my words to you this morning. You have to decide whether you can go on or not. You've come through some valley of the shadow of death. And, and while you were there, you just thought, this is insurmountable. I can't make it. There is no possibility of life beyond this. I'll forever be saddened. And my advice would be the same as Dr. Greer to us that day. You have to decide whether you can go on or not. And the sooner you do, the better off you'll be. I am not one to quit. I tell the staff all the time, there's a a lot said about discipline in your life by how you live every day. Every single day I make my bed, whether I feel like it or not. Usually on Sundays I have no idea what I'm wearing until after I get out of the shower and think, oh rats, I wonder what I'm wearing today. You look like a blimp in that, blah, blah, blah. I, feel, I always feel like just go back to black, it works. Lots of black, you know. There's a lot of black in people's lives. We're hiding behind it. We hide behind the darkness that we think we can never overcome. We hide behind the tragedy that's in our life and we think we can never overcome it. I do believe that this is the longest series of messages that I've ever partaken in on the life of the Apostle Paul, on his missionary journeys and through his salvation experience and all, all the things that have happened, we now come to a close in the next couple of weeks. And as I was studying this week, I was very sad because we've come to the close of the Apostle Paul's life. And as you look back on Paul's life, it was a life full of loneliness, despair, bitterness and hatred toward him everywhere he went. But he didn't give up. And it, it actually encourages and challenges me. You, Gary Peterson, know that God has called you to live for him and to serve him. Don't give up. And tell other people, don't give up. It's not over until it's over. You know that? What we see in our lesson for today is takes place in the city of Ephesus. And we were blessed, my wife and I, a few years back to take a cruise through the places that Jesus walked, where the Apostle Paul walked. We were able to sit and listen to lectures as they talked about what happened, what transpired in this place. And I had to actually get online and look at a map to see where Ephesus is located in relation to Athens and Corinth, because last week as we were together, we talked about the Athenians and the Corinthians and how corrupt both of these cities had become. 
And now the Apostle Paul leaves Corinth, this place of sensuality and sexual misbehavior. He leaves there, and he goes to Ephesus, which is located in modern-day Turkey. It's like you can almost see back now to Corinth and Athens. And, and I'm speaking to people in the room who literally have experienced such pain and such hurt that it's almost difficult to even think about it. It's in your past. I told the praise team today, we as a church need to be a grace-filled, loving place where people who have made mistakes feel and understand that God does not see those. They are in the past. Those things are over. Yes, we've all made mistakes. And to go on in pursuit of what God would want for our lives now, to continue to have a passion about life, and don't give up because your child is sick or your marriage is bad or your mom goes to jail like one of our mothers did this week. A single mom raising three kids ended up in jail because she didn't pay her ticket. And my wife and I grappled with that as, as we knew that Penny went to court, Penny Baines, and they just took her away for 20 days in jail, and there's where she sits now. Well, you know how God works. That very next morning, we're sitting in staff meeting, and a man comes into the building where our offices are on Chicago Drive, and he says, am I interrupting? And I said, what would you like to speak to us about? And he said, I want to talk to you about prison. And he said, I believe that the prison system has made so many people into convicts because they're debtors and cannot pay their debt. I think of a single mom who, yes, she may have some issues, and we could easily point out issues in each other's lives, but you try being a single mom and raising three kids all by yourself because your husband died. You try that on for size. The Bible says this, pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows, not to condemn them. Not to say, well, we could point this and this and this out, because anybody could point any of our sin out. Her daughter, Anastasia, sits in this room and helps us. She's a teenager who needs to know security and love. Her son, Connor, is at Moody Bible Institute by the grace of God. She, God, in spite of not having a father, he feels God's called him into ministry. And I read on Facebook this week, he said, I need to go home. I have no more money. And I said to my wife, he will live in our home free. Visit the fatherless and the widows, not just visit them, take care of them. Don't point fingers, help. And then their son Jonah, I saw him last night at, at Will Scolton's birthday party. And I thought to myself, oh God, oh my gosh, God, those kids, what they have been through, what Penny has been through, we don't understand because we are not a single mom. We're not children being raised in a single mom's home. We should have mercy on those people. I see one of the guys that comes to my men's Bible study, Cody Rasmussen. Yeah, he's rough. His teeth are knocked out. He smokes like crazy. He doesn't smell real clean. I saw this week on Facebook, he's living in the streets, homeless, and saying, maybe someday some woman will love me. God, I pray for Cody that he realize you do, no matter where you're at, and that we as a church will not be insensitive, but will understand the needs of people. 
will continue on to create in people a passionate desire to live for God because that's the only way that you're going to have peace. If you can't get over what you've been through, you will suffer the rest of your life. I could give you illustration after illustration, but having been in Ephesus, I can see my wife and I getting off of a bus as we went for the cruise boat up into the mountains, which looked like nothing but a pasture, and all of a sudden, the bus pulls into this parking lot, and we look, and there are excavated ruins of the city called Ephesus, where Paul entered one day, not knowing anyone, but feeling God had called him to go to the Ephesian people. Some 400,000 people in its peak day lived in the city of Ephesus. As you walk in, you immediately see that they have excavated the streets, built in the hills, the pastures, because of silt that it covered over the city over, over hundreds and hundreds of years. You see there ruins that have been excavated, and your mind is blown. There are these beautiful marble houses that have been carved into the mountainside. Some 400,000 people live there. We sat, we were laughing last night as Becky and I talked about it. We sat in the, sh the shower house that surrounded these fancy pools of the rich people who live there. Modern paintings on the walls of their houses. And then we looked down the street and saw the library, which was an incredible place, wasn't it, hon? It was amazing, the pillars in front that had been carved out and preserved. And you think back to the city, and I got online last night again and looked at the, the location of the city in Turkey there. It was known as one of the best cities in the world to live. Lived on a harbor right on the sea there, a river that came into the city. But the people became negligent with taking care of what they should have taken care of. And eventually, the silt from the mountains blew in and filled the harbor with silt so that the, the boats could not actually get in to Ephesus any longer. And because of the muck there, mosquitoes took over the entire area and people were dying of malaria. So the city of Ephesus, with a great monument to the goddess Diana, or Artemis, the Temple of Artemis was 450 feet long by 200 feet wide, like 50 feet high. All that stands there in that temple today, all that stands out of the hundreds of pillars and, and stuff that was carved in marble is one single pillar, almost as a mockery to the god Diana. We have to look at it this way. God, have mercy on our nation. If we try to build a nation built around ourselves, about, around our selfishness, and certainly with the mind of the millennials that they have to be right about everything, we are doomed. If God doesn't raise up a new generation of kids that are passionate about God, the gospel will go by the wayside and we will be nothing but a country of ruins in a far distant memory. But you look at chapter 19 as we come close to the finish of our study of the Apostle Paul, and you will find a man who had a passion, who wouldn't stop, who didn't give up, who didn't throw in the towel, who didn't say, I can't come now to church any longer, I've been hurt by this, or, or I went through a divorce, or I, I had to bury the dead. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm telling you, you have to keep this in your mind. I have to keep this in my mind. The past is the past. If you can't get through it, you'll never get to it. 
If you can't get through it, you'll never know exactly what God wants for you. He doesn't want us to mourn and grief our entire life. He wants us to refocus on our passion, which is Jesus Christ and the hope of glory. And to know that we of all people, we of all people <clears throat> do not need to mourn. We need to get back to our hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, including the temple of Diana, which was built in a muck, actually. They built a foundation thinking this is a great place for the temple, not knowing that because of mockery of God in that city, 400,000 people, he would shut them down. I say this to our nation today. It doesn't matter if it's Mr. Trump or Hillary Clinton, who, whoever the, the president of the United States is. If we do not in all of our ways acknowledge him, he will not direct our paths and we will die as a nation. We're well on our way there now. Lying and deceit. Entitlement is destroying our country. Fighting over ridiculousness when we should understand that this is a Christian nation built on a foundation of Christ. If we build it on the temple of Diana, the Artemis, we will die as a nation. All that will be left hundreds of years from now is one single column in Washington, D.C. to remind us that at one time we were a Christian nation. I'm not here to talk about our country today, even though I think we live in perilous times. I'm here to read from the text in Acts 19. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. This was Paul's style. He always went to the synagogue. He went to the place where he thought he could get the religious people to listen. There for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of the people, the religious people, some of the religious people became obstinate. They refused to believe what Paul was saying and publicly maligned the way in capital letter W. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, last week, and I'll finish this in a second, last week Paul left because they didn't want to hear him in the synagogue in Corinth, and so he went right next door. In fact, it's, it's interesting if you looked at the text that the Bible says, so he left and went somewhere else, but it actually teaches that he went to the house that shared a wall with the synagogue, and because of it, the leader of the synagogue got saved. His whole house got saved. Paul was not the type of person, and I know that there's going to be some people who are going to get hurt when I say this. I don't mean to hurt you, but this is a fact. You are going to wallow in your self-pity the rest of your life and, could, and, and fail to have any joy and go through the rest of your life and treat your family like they don't matter and not make the best of things. And you could say you're making the best of it, but you have not gotten over what God said you need to get through. And because of it, you will not get to where God wants you to be because you've lost your passion, consumed by something that happened back there. Put it behind you. It's in the past. Yes, it's in the past. You do not need to wallow in that anymore. I do not need to wallow in that. I have a hope. I have Christ, my hope. And so Paul just continues to pattern us, to give us a pattern that, that says, go on, strive for higher things. It says this went on for two years. 
so that all the Jews and all the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of God. You know how they heard? Because people were talking against Paul. Someone said this to me in the last few years. All talk is good talk. All talk is good talk. Because I got a lot of people in this city that don't like me. All talk is good talk. And they, they will say that you're this, that, and the other thing. It doesn't matter. Your reputation will precede you. Get over whatever's back there and move on. So people say, I know him. He is passionate about Christ, right? I know her. She is passionate. She overcame her divorce. She overcame the loss of her child. They overcame their financial ruin. They overcame what people tried to do to them. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, they went on. And they didn't lose passion. And look what it says. God then did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even, oh my gosh, this is crazy, even the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. I am convinced in studying this chapter, and I don't have time to dissect the entire chapter today, but in studying this chapter and looking back at what was meant in the original language here, I am convinced that we just assume the Holy Spirit lives in me, so I'm fine, I'm just good, and I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. And this is what I'd say, most of the time, most people are not, not only not full of the Holy Spirit, you don't even know the Holy Spirit lives in them. Their carnality has taken over. You think I'm dry? Oh, that was nice. Susan who? Susan, you're so nice. It's cold water, too. She probably paid $8 in the theater here. You know what I'm talking about? You go in theaters and places like that, and they just popcorn, which you can do for 50 cents at home, and now it's $15. Because like, they're not making anything on movies. Hollywood's taking all that. Those Hollywood elites that always vote for the liberal and promise us they'll leave our country when their candidate doesn't win. I'm like, get out. You said you were leaving. Whopper Goldberg, you need to leave. And all, all the rest of you share Share, adios, share, go somewhere else. You didn't get your way? What a bunch of powders and babies. Did this happen when Obama got in? No. We were grieving, but we just didn't go sit in the, in the middle of the expressway and stop traffic. You're a bunch of babies. Lose, poor losers at that. When you're a loser, you just have to admit it. Okay, I lost. I can go on, can't you? You lose sometimes. You just go on. You know what happened? Paul was so anointed by God that when people came around him, if their handkerchief even touched him, they got healed. And their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. I want to say something. The reason why your illnesses aren't getting cured and your children's illnesses are not getting cured and your personal illnesses that in your own family are not being cured is because you're too busy focusing on what's wrong with the situation than what's right about the situation. There's not a person in this room who shouldn't be saying amen today, but some of you are in the amenless funk. Amenless funk. You're like, I'm not saying amen today because I had a bad day with my wife on the way here. You know what she can be? You, have you ever been around her? She, no, it's you. You need to change. Put amen in your mouth anyway. Try it for size. Here we go. You got lots to be praising God for today. You get to eat. You got a vehicle. You came in. You didn't have to walk here. You should be praising God because it's chilly outside. Oh, my gosh. Paul had such 
power over him that people would bring their handkerchief or their work apron it would touch him and they would change they would be healed get back to where God wants you to be Stop using excuses of what's happened that you can't get over. And then 13 through 16, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot of imitators out there, mimickers, like they have the power of God somehow. You know, they want to say, well, Paul could do it, I could do it. Pastor Gary could do it, I could do it. Other people are just as good as those guys are. If they could do it, I could do it. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out, seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priests, seven sons of the high priest were doing this. They saw Paul doing it and thought, hey, wait a second, his church is growing and mine's not. People are getting saved at his church and nothing's happening at our church. My dad, my, you know who my dad is? Man, we are powerful people in this community. We are powerful people here in Ephesus. Don't tell me the present day Sanhedrin isn't there. When you don't fit into the little mode of all the brothers and sister churches around here, you're ostracized. I remember Rick Warren saying he never got asked to speak anywhere until his church got 14,000 people in it. All of a sudden, he was smart. All of a sudden, he's smart. We need to hear what. Who cares how big your church is? What ought to be happening is miracles. People's lives are changing. People are getting out of their funk. It was Will Scolton's birthday. Scolton's in here? You in here? Yes, okay. Will's birthday, 16 years old. He got his driver's license. Be careful. Um, <laughs> I happen to like that kid, and I love the Scolton family. And so I was honored I got invited to Will's birthday party last night. It was a casino night. <laughs> they were serving cocktails on casino. No, they were. I, seriously, I want people to know, I don't get offended over gambling and all that kind of stuff. I just think that's your personal prerogative if you want to waste your money. But they were having fun, and, we, and I, was, I was talking with Pastor Zach and, and Pastor Casey. <laughs> Casey's going to be a pastor. I was sitting at the table talking with them, and we were looking around, and Will had his school friends at one table, six kids, and then over at this table were kind of his church friends, just the way it worked out, I'm sure. But I said, look at the kids sitting at the table, his school friends. They're a little different. They're on their phone the whole time. They're not even interacting with each other. It's like, I'm, I'm a nerd, and I know it. Everywhere you go, you see people. They're not having any conversation whatsoever. It's like, I don't even know anybody else lives. You don't even exist, you idiots. My phone is important. I can't. What'd you say? You talk to me? And then we looked over at the, the church kids at the table over there, and their son, who looks like a giant Scolton son, Nate, he's not going to be a giant because Dora's side is really tall, and he's over there. And then our youth pastor, Zach, who's an amazing youth pastor, by the way, he said this to Casey and I. He said, look over at that table over there. Everyone at the table except for Nate is from a broken home. Lucas, John, Clayton, um, Jonah, and one other, Cody. Those kids are awesome kids, by the way. They happen to be my friends. They were in our mentoring program by the grace of God. They will not be losers. 
They are changed by the grace of God. I said this last week. You better stay close to people going the right direction or you're going to end up in trouble. One day the evil spirit answered them. This is how this came out. You can't imitate the power of God. There are people sitting in the room that act like they're Christians, want to pretend they're Christians, but there is no power of the Spirit of God ever manifest in their life because they're defeated with the littlest thing. A bump in the road makes them defeated. And this was the seven sons of Sceva thought they could imitate the Apostle Paul. You can't imitate what God is doing. He is creative. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Woo! Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, I don't know who had it on their, oh, on their um, Facebook page last night, but as I was finishing the study, I was looking at Facebook for a minute, and I saw one of the guys had, had an Arab guy with this little swatter swatting the stallion i don't know if you've seen that he has him by a rope and he's swatting the stallion like you will behave you will behave blah 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 you will behave and it reminded me so much of parents and how they handle kids how my parents handle us kids do not respond to being smacked all the time and all of a sudden the stallion got furious kicked back it's the arab guy drops the rope turns the other direction and the stallion tramples them. was that you royce that had that on it's amazing. And Royce glories in that stuff, but I thought it was <laughs> I thought that guy deserved it. Listen to me. There is a point here. It may not be very eloquent, but this is the point. Don't try to imitate what God is doing in somebody else. You are an original creation of God. Step up to the plate. Stop your bickering. Stop looking to the past and move on and be all that God wants you to be, right? And guess what happened? Guess what happened? The word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. When you get trampled by the horse because you're not handling things correctly, you would think you would learn, seven sons of Sceva. It is not about your religious position or what church you go to or who the heck you think you are. It is about the power of God. We were in the parade the other night, and I always want people to know that we believe in the power of God, that he is unstoppable, unshakable kingdom. I'm speaking tomorrow night at the tree lighting, which has been lit for two weeks. Gosh, they're going to have to turn it off tomorrow and go, and everybody's standing on now as we plug in the lights. Bam. We saw it Friday night. Why are you having a tree lighting ceremony on Monday night? I'm supposed to speak, and I just figure, well, if i got to speak, I'm going to make sure that Jesus is mentioned. Because, you see, you know, we go light on the, you know what I'm saying? The, the mayor said to me, we go light on stuff, and I'm thinking, you don't know me. You should have, you, you prop, you, you know, I'm, I'm not a Bud Light type guy. It's, it's butt heavy. Butt heavy. It's butt heavy. Okay. You know that's the truth. I don't think there is any going light when it comes to whether the Spirit of God works or not. Do you? You know, um, it's, it's pretty exciting to think what God can do. The Bible says that the word of God spread. And here's what happened. A riot broke out in the city. So when the people heard this, they were furious and began shouting, greatest Artemis of, of the Ephesians. I got to back up. When Becky and I were there, we saw this mammoth 25,000-seat amphitorium, amphitheater, that had been covered over with silt, but they've excavated the entire theater. 
If you stand at the top of the amphitheater, you can see all the way to the ocean. And Becky was over there saying, honey, you need to come up here and preach. You need to come up here because, because it was interesting how it was designed in such a way that a guy could stand there with no microphone and be heard by everyone in the theater. I can vividly remember standing there thinking, the Apostle Paul stood right here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And soon, the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of the, the, them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples said, and we're telling you something, Paul, if you go in there, you're going to get killed. You know, that I, I could imagine it being very difficult. The disciples, the followers, because when Paul went to Ephesus, the scripture tells us earlier in the chapter that he only found 12 people that were actual followers of Christ. When he left Ephesus, there were thousands of people who had heard the gospel and became followers of Christ. And the Bible says this, and all, all of them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province said to Paul, um, you better not go in there. Better not go into the theater. Flip it. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some were shouting another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. I don't think there could have been any better timing for me to study this text again because I'm reminded of the election. You know how people send people in to just disrupt the crowd? And I can remember some of the Trump rallies and there were people shouting in the background and everybody in the room just started shouting, USA or Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. You know how it is? Here's what's happening today in our culture. Most younger people and a lot of older people that have their heads in the sand do not have any, any recollection of history and how this nation was founded. They're not even interested. They're, they're dumbos. And it, nobody's telling them the fact. Because, oh, if I say that in the room now, you're going to be offended and you should not come to church because pastors should not say anything that are offensive. Well, if you're coming here, you better understand this. I'm just going to say it the way it is. You're a dumbo if you don't understand that America was founded on the word of God. The reason they came here was to have the right to believe in the word of God, not to have the, not to have the church invaded by the state. The, the state is run by the church, not the church by the state, by the way. You, you believe that? Yeah. And our kids aren't learning it in school. They're not even writing cursive anymore. Our kids have become dum-dums when it comes to history. History is very interesting, and history is doomed to repeat itself if we don't take note of what's happened in the past, or even recently, that shouldn't happen again. I love what Paul says in the middle of all this. He's not worried about people killing him because he knows it's coming anyway. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In Vietnam, amen. Now, we quote those verses just flippantly, 
But I want you to know something. Paul had no idea that this guy in seventh grade standing up here would understand the word of God and salvation and one day cry out to the Lord to save me and become a pastor and lead thousands of people to Christ through my 41 years of ministry. Yes, thousands. Some don't want to acknowledge it, but thousands of people who have come to Christ because I, I get dividends on every person that I lead to Christ and so do you. Stir up the spirit inside of you. Get over your crying over something that's happened in the past. You don't need counseling. You need the Bible. You need to stay in the word. You need to stay close to friends who will love you. You need to stay away from evil. And you need to stay alert to the enemy who wants to mimic God in what he does. But he won't be able to. He will get, he will get trampled. A couple of things I want to share before you leave today. Success is going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. I didn't say it. Winston Churchill said it. That's my point. Success is going from failure to failure to failure, to loss to loss to loss, to sickness to sickness, to whatever it is in your life, over and over without losing any enthusiasm because you know you are focused on this one thing. All that matters is Jesus Christ. All that matters is serving God. All that matters is raise my family to love and know God. That's all that matters. All the other things will fall into place. He knew the power of staying the course. Paul knew it. He didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel and say, I can't make it. So many people today are ready to just throw in the towel and say, there's no way that I could possibly make it. There was a man by the name of Colin. He was a young boy. He was disadvantaged because he did not come from a wealthy family. And he tried to get a job one day, and he got a job cleaning up syrup from which they make pop or colas. And one day, somebody came along and thought, he is the least complaining young man we've seen. He does an amazing job of cleaning up the syrup. I'm going to promote him to the line, the bottle line, where they actually make the product. And one day, someone else from the Pepsi organization came along and said, you're so good at what you do, we're going to promote you in our organization. And when he got high enough in the Pepsi organization, he went to work for the government and one day became the Secretary of State under George W. Bush by the name of Colin Powell. The boy that cleaned up syrup off the floor did not lose sight of a higher calling and a pursuit of something more with his life. People, it grieves me to see people who say, well, I'm, I just live in a trailer, and I'm just going to be trailer trash my whole life, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I just, this is the way it's been. I just, I'll probably end up being a homeless person, or we'll probably this or that, and I say, no. The young men that were sitting at the table last night, as long as they go to this church, we're going to say, God has something higher for you. God has called you to something greater. God does not want Lucas to end up in some garbage heap of a mess. God does not want Ed to end up like his friend that are doing drugs and all the other garbage. God has called you to a higher calling, but you must stay in, you must stay close, you must stay away, and you must stay alert. You gotta stay. You gotta stay in that marriage. You gotta stay believing that your child will be healed. You gotta stay believing that God has a higher calling for you. You're gonna give up from things that have happened in the past, or are you gonna say, God, you've got a higher calling to use what's happened in the past to change the future? The Bible says in Acts 13, verse 44, the whole city gathered to hear Paul's sermons. Little did he realize how powerful his life was actually going to be. 
Little did he realize. He'd been in Corinth for 18 months, a city notorious for its thousand temple prostitutes. Now, he could have been overwhelmed and said, there's no hope of me, this man, this one man out here in Corinth all by myself changing history. I can't change history. I, I hate to tell you this, but the Apostle Paul changed history, and little does he know all the people sitting in his room would be talking about him today. Little did he know that they would be talking about him. You are writing history right now, mothers and fathers. Do your kids see people that are faithful to God or you're faithful to something else? Are you more interested in their school activities than you are in their church activities? Do you think that's more important than them sitting under the ministry of the word and learning? We do not at any point compromise what we believe for what's going on today. You getting this? You parents, I guarantee you something. They are watching you closely to see what you believe. I know whom I have believed it and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day? When Jesus sees me face to face. I'm 65 years old. I don't know how much longer I'll be around, but I know this when I see Jesus. He'll know that I did a lot of flub-ups, and all he had to do is run into somebody from Wellspring, and they'll be glad to tell him. And you know what he'll say? Stop talking. He is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Come on in, brother. Come on in, sister. Come on in, those of you who think there's no future for you. That is in the past. Put it behind. If you're going to fail, fail forward. If you're going to fail, fail forward. Don't look back. Stop looking back at all those things that you think that have stopped you or waylaid you, that divorce, which means you'll never be in love again. That is a bunch of garbage. Success is not measured by what you accomplish, but by the opposition you have encountered and the courage with which you have maintained the struggle against overwhelming odds. That is success. Woo! That's Anastasia Fiorenza. That is that I want to say thank you to people like the Scoltons and other people in our church who have taken people under their wing and allowed them to come into their house, not telling anybody about it. I want to thank God for people who are willing to take somebody under their wing and say, we might not get any praise for this, but we will get praised by the way this child turns out. Oh, God. Second point, every success leads to more confidence, and increasing confidence leads to more success. That's my second point. See, when, when you understand that when you are confident in what you believe and you know that God wants you to do this, you don't let anybody stop you from doing what God has clearly told you to do. The key, the key to this is to use what you have to do what you can do. Because you're not me and I'm not you. That's a good thing. You don't need any more of me's around. No, you don't need any more... Gary Peterson, that would flub up the whole system. We don't need any more of you, but you are who you are. What, hon? Thank you. She thinks I'm awesome anyway. And we've been together 41 years, so I guess we got a good thing going on here. Okay, and, and don't, don't tell me that the enemy won't try to break that up. Whew. And by the way, you've been through something. If you've gone through divorce, you have got, been to hell and back. It hurts. I think of three men that come to my mind, Leah Iacocca. I was studying about him this week. He's still alive, 92 years old. 92 years old, and guess what? He took over failing companies who went to Ford when Ford needed his new innovative ideas, and he went to Chrysler and turned a company that was going down the drain by inventing and thinking up the minivan. 
Almost every family in America that has more than two children has a minivan because God help us to get in a car with three, you can't put three seats in the back. Putting in those stupid children's seats is hell anyway. Have you ever had, whoever designs those things is messed up. I can't get my hand in that little slot in the back to pull that seatbelt across. I think they must have been nutso. Seriously. Aaron brings her kids every other week to our house, which we love Aaron's children. But I don't, he comes with a, I mean, it's like a semi full of stuff. That's the bouncer, that's the this, that's the hydra, this is the playpen, this is the bed for him. It's like, God, how did you do all that this morning? You forget those days. You move to Grandpa'sville. Grandpa'sville does not do well with putting those seats in anymore. It's like, you do it, I'm out of breath. Seriously, I'm not making that up. It's like, oh, Nick and Lexi have them fast because in another couple of years, I'm going to be bound to a wheelchair or a recliner at least. I, I, you can relate to me if you're over 50. Your body starts to ache all over. We work every day at the church. There, there's not one clean spot at the New Rock Church. It, it is, there's no toilets. There's nothing there. It's nothing but badlands. You don't need to go to South Dakota. You just go over there to Chicago Drive, and you'll see the Badlands. It's destroyed. Two months from now, it'll be awesome. We're laying ceramic tile. There's all kinds of things happening. But I think to myself, man, how do you keep going when you're 65 years old? It is by the grace of God and the spirit of God that lives you. I want to encourage the people who are about giving up because something has happened in your life. Lee Iacocca didn't. Rick Warren kept going on, though. He was, you know, he, he didn't see the future. There are so many people that understand that they would not have made it without God. Every success leads to confidence, and increasing confidence leads to more success. Use what you have. You have to stay close to God, though. You know what Paul did in his latter years? In his latter years, he was not able to keep up anymore with that pace of walking from this city to that city and, and taking a ship from here to there. I, cannot, I can relate to it because I know that I'm coming to my latter years now. In his latter years, he went to prison before he was killed. He was martyred. And you know what he did? He wrote letters to churches. This one thing I could do, and I'd encourage you to do, and I tell my staff to do it all the time. If you're going to use Facebook, you'll be a blessing to people. When I see the swindles on Facebook, I think, I sure love them. When I look back at the Nehemiah sitting here, I think, I sure love them. When I look at the Neergars, I think to myself, I love them. I'm not faking that. That's the truth. You've been with me, and I'm with you. We're together. We're family. He wrote letters from prison. He wrote letters. He wrote to Ephesus. He wrote to the Ephesians. He wrote to the, to the Colossians. He wrote the book of Philemon. He wrote to the Philippians. He wrote letters to people to encourage them to go on that no matter what. And that leads to my third point. Extreme results require extreme measures. It says, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. He literally preached in such a way that it took away people's livelihood. I... I came across this quote this week that I thought was powerful. Success is not determined by the outcome. The outcome is the result of having already decided that you are successful to begin with. You just didn't know it. You know that? I'm a singer. I taught voice lesson. I, 
I, I have a degree in education. And so as I was going to Bible college, you have to teach, you have to do a, um, your student teaching, they call it. I went to the public high school and taught voice to students. And when most of my students came in, they'd sign up to take voice lessons, they would sing like crap. It would be horrible. My wife hates that word, but that's what it sounded like. Horrible. I'm convinced anybody can sing, and everybody can sing. I have a simple test. La. Everybody in here sing with me. La. La. Come on over here. Vince, you better be soft. La. la. <laughs> You're good at saying yes, but I don't know about las. <laughs> la. No, you can't sing. La. There. Got it. Got it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Clap. Round of applause. And Vince, and Vince in his typical style would say yes. Again. There you go. We practice that men's Bible study. See, no, 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 come on. I know you say you're not supposed to go to church and pastors aren't supposed to be crazy. Well, it's too late. But the fact of the matter is, the, the fact of the matter is this. It's in you. It's in you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Bible says when they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Sometimes you think you need to shout over the top of what the Holy Spirit's doing. You want to block out the sound of the Holy Spirit and say, but I need my alcohol, but I need my porn, but I need my critical spirit, but I need to be able to grieve. I need to be able to, be, to feel sorry for myself. And God says, you got to get through it to get to it. Get through it. The whole city was in an uproar. They seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And all of the rush, them rushed into the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but, but I already read those verses to you, so it's not important. Winston Churchill also said this. If you're going through hell, keep going. You get it? Come on, come on, come on. If you're going through hell, why do you want to stop there? Get out of it right this second. If you're going through hell, you don't feel like you have purpose. You've lost your joy. You feel like you can't go on anymore. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Get out of hell. Get the hell out of there. That's where that phrase comes from. Serious. Wow, that felt good. Should be a message just entitled, get the hell out of there. Right? What in the world would you want to stay wallowing in self-pity? It doesn't change anything or anyone. Get some jump in your step. Get some bounce in your step. Be overcomers through the blood of the Lamb. And the word of your testimony says, I got it. It's in me. Even Vince can sing. I'm convinced. Convinced. That you could be a singer. <clears throat> Life's real failure is when you do not realize how close you were to success when you gave up. Oh, my gosh. You didn't even realize how, how close you were to failure when you gave, or to success when you gave up. 
You are like right on the, on the edge, on the precipice of getting over this and having joy and being victorious and never, ever, ever going back to that stuff back there, that thinking. Chuck Colson, no longer alive. But he knew this, the glory of being in the White House. He was in the administration when a scandal broke out. He worked under Richard Nixon. I can remember exactly where I was when they said they were going to impeach Richard Nixon, I was working at Olin Sang Ruby Union Institute as the head chef of a Jewish camp for 500 kids. I was standing by my cabin and I was listening to the radio. It was dark outside and I heard that Richard Nixon was go uh, going to be impeached. Remember what the scandal was called? Watergate. There have been a lot of gates since then. There should be Hillary Gate. But he was involved in Watergate, and so he went to prison. But I want you to know this. It was while he was in prison that he saw that there was something seriously wrong with our system and how we handle people when they've broken the law. And while he was there, he began to pray, and God led him into starting a prison ministry, which has been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. As I read once again about his life, he, had, he wrote 20 books that sold over 5 million copies. His radio broadcasts are still heard by hundreds of stations around the world. He received $1 million Templeton Prize in 1993, an award that annual award that recognizes the person who has done the most to advance the cause of spirituality. He could have given up and said, I'm done. It's over I'm done. My life is over. There is nothing that is too difficult for God. And by the way, he doesn't care what anyone else says. Move on. Shake the dust off your feet. By the grace of God, acknowledge the spirit that lives inside of you and be free. Let's pray. Now, I got a serious question. I need you to take these lights down ahead and just bring up the other lights because I have a serious question today. A serious question I want you to think about seriously right now in this room. Can you turn off the screen too? Is that possible? Because then I can see. I want you to think about this. Give me as much light in the room as you can give me, Ed. You are sitting in the room by the grace of God today, and there is something very, very, very clear that God is saying you need to get over and refocus back on your purpose in life, and you know it. You know that you need to get over it, let it go, and get back to God. I want you to stand up. I know, I understand, I need to get through this and get back to God where I ought to be. I, I, I'm hung up on this, whatever it is back there, that does not matter. That is the enemy lying to you. He wants you to be defeated and discouraged and destroyed and be hung up back there. Don't listen to him. You want to be a success in life? By the time you go out, you ought to be able to say, I, whatever happened, God, I know it was you who brought me through that to get me to this. I'm waiting because there's somebody else who needs to make a decision today. Say, that's done. That's in the past. Anyone else? Yes? Anyone else? I need to stand up. I need to be done with that. That's history. I pray in the name of Jesus right now. Now, I don't have the power that Paul had where handkerchiefs and aprons will touch me and I can go out and bless these things and people will be healed no, I don't have that power, but I do have the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God speaking to these precious people who have been through something and need to get through it so they can get to it. Get back to it. Right, people? Yeah. 
get back to it. I pray your power of Holy Spirit would come down and sit on their heads right now. They will determine day by day that I am not going to let that take me back. You can have a seat. Is there anybody in the room before we leave this morning that says, I don't even know if I'd go to heaven when I die? I'm not even sure, Pastor. Raise your hand. Anyone in the room? Not absolutely positive, 100% that I'd go to heaven when I die. Anyone in here? Don't know for sure, Pastor. That's the most important decision you could ever make to know for certain. If you need to talk to someone, I'm, I'm here afterwards, and, and Nick is down here, and my wife's down here, and you could just come and talk to us. Okay, look up. We're not just going to make it as a church. We're going to see many people's lives change. You believe that? Oh, I believe it. It's happening. I believe it. You, you, you understand the power of unity? When we're together and we, we don't judge each other and we don't look at this person's sin or he did this or she did that, but when we are together in the power of unity, there's nothing that can stop us. Right? Some people don't talk in here. Is that right or not? You know, every time you say yes or amen, the Spirit of God says to those other people that are out there making mockery of it. He says, you need to shut your mouth. You need to be quiet. You have no power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the word of your testimony. There is power to get over whatever addiction you have, whatever it is. There is power in the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony. Be free. Be free. Right? And maybe you got set aside for a little bit and got discouraged. It's time to move on. You are loved. I love you. You may not always think so by the way I preach, but I do. That's just my job. Just to say it like it is. Let's band together in a, in a threefold cord to see the. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to open our building. All these spectators are going to come. We want to see the place. I mean, person after person told me, want to see the place. Well, when they come, we're going to have the guns loaded with a shot of the gospel of Jesus. <laughs> Right? You know what? You know what the younger generation needs? They don't need any of this. Beloved, it's so good to have you here today. Now turn in your scriptures to the book of Acts, and we're going to be speaking out of Acts chapter 19. And, and I'm going to, did you bring your pillow? Because you're going to be snoozing a lot during the service. And hopefully, well, you know, be blessed. I don't want to go to that kind of church. I want to go to this kind of church where we re, we're a family, a body of Christ, working together, together. We're strong, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. Jesus is in the house. We need to do a little bit of sing preaching now. We need to do a little Pentecostal dance at Sue O'Keefe. How are you doing? I could actually see good. That sounded really convincing. <laughs> you got a praise hallelujah in you? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's our sister, isn't she? Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go, everybody. Ooh, yeah, come on.